This is Beat the Closing Line with Nicole, Mo, and Eli. Hey everyone, welcome back to Beat the Closing Line. I am your host, Nicole Russo, alongside resident NFL analyst for thelines.com, Eli Hershkovich and Mo Nawara. As always, on Tuesdays, we take a look at opening lines and discuss what bets we like and how we think those lines are going to move as we inch closer to game time. Before we dive into the NFL Week 7 discussion, make sure that you give this video a thumbs up, like us on YouTube, and subscribe to the YouTube channel so you know every time we post a new video. And if you are listening to us where you get your podcasts, especially on Apple Podcasts, make sure to subscribe to Beat the Closing Line and leave a five-star review and a comment for your chance to win an Amazon gift card. We are going to be announcing the first winner on next week's episode. The guys are currently 16, 8, and 1 with their against the spread picks on the podcast through the first six weeks. Eli, how did last week treat you? Pretty good week, Nicole. Commanders came through for the first time in four weeks, so that was a good start on Thursday night. Got lucky there, but then again, the Titans got lucky back in week five. Saints plus two did not hit. Bengals backers got pretty fortunate there with the Jamar Chase 60-yard touchdown in the final two minutes. Saints were covering for 58-plus minutes, but clearly I'm not upset or anything. Ravens minus five and a half did not hit at the Giants despite outgaining the Giants by 3.2 yards per play. Interesting note on Daniel Jones, per our guy Steven Andres over at thelines.com. Daniel Jones only ranks behind Josh Allen in dropback EPA, so expected points added per pass attempt, essentially, over the last three weeks. Giants are now 50-1 to to win the Super Bowl after, I think it was 150-1 to to begin the season and 22-1 to to win the NFC after closing before week one, 66-1 to to win the conference. So did not hit with Baltimore, but Jets plus seven and a half won outright, uh, actually, at the Packers. Steelers plus nine and a half, they won outright at home against the Bucks. Colts live money line hit for me. A touchdown in the final, what, 30 seconds of that game. Sorry about that, Mo. And then Broncos plus four and a half came through last night with a gross overtime. No first downs, but luckily the Chargers did not score a touchdown. Mo, was your week as solid as Eli's last week? Definitely not. Uh, most of it for me was just I had two large wagers. Um, Jags plus two and a half. Kind of a tough beat there. That game was basically a, a coin flip. But yeah, uh, end game didn't go our way. Uh, and then fortunately, the other one was Seattle uh, money line. So it was a little smaller than I had on Jags, but it was plus 120. So still got most of that back. Um, everything else was just like, whatever, I think. So maybe like a small win or loss, but, uh, could have been a huge weekend if, uh, Eli would have lost one more bet. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. All right. Let's look forward to the upcoming week. We are going to start things off with the new Orleans saints. Now they are heading to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Both of these teams have been struggling lately. The Cardinals have lost their last two games. while the saints have dropped four out of the last five. Now a key factor here is whether or not saints quarterback who is a backup 
Andy Dalton is going to play. Dalton suffered a back injury in last week's game against the Bengals and has been listed as limited in the team's practices. Starting quarterback Jameis Winston, as we know, has also been out with a back injury. Eli, I know this is factoring into your pick this week. The line is currently Saints plus one and a half, but you're waiting to see if this moves if Dalton is ruled out. So give us a little more insight into this one. Yeah, the look at line, Nicole, for this game was Cardinals minus two, minus two and a half, but obviously their poor uh, performance and losing outright at the Seahawks, coupled with the fact that the Saints probably should have covered at the least, if not won the game outright against the Bengals. Cincinnati did outgain New Orleans in yards per play, but I digress about that game. This line sitting at, like you said, Cardinals minus one and a half, pretty much across the board on Tuesday afternoon. So, First and foremost, I'm going to wait to see if this line ticks up to maybe two, two and a half before betting the Saints. I'm going to land on New Orleans either way, most likely. But if Taysom Hill is named the starting quarterback for this game on a short week, Jameis Winston could potentially come back, but it seems like they're going to wait at least a couple more weeks for that. Then we might see an uptick in the line. So just waiting to see what happens with the Saints quarterback situation before pulling the the trigger. A couple other uh, injury notes for the Saints, too. There was no practice technically for the Saints on Monday, but Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Marshawn Lattimore all wouldn't have practiced if the Saints did have an actual practice. Chris Olave was off the injury report for New Orleans, so that's a big uh, positive for the Saints offense after he didn't play in last week's game with concussion. Now, I get it if you're a little concerned with New Orleans quarterback situation, if it is Taysom Hill under center, but the market has undervalued him in his career as a starting quarterback. Five and two, uh, Hill lays against the spread as a starter. So the market, again, maybe not taking into account enough how efficient the Saints' rushing attack can be with a read option with Hill under center, especially against a Cardinals defense in this particular matchup that is allowing an above-average success rate on the ground. And while the Saints' passing attack might be a little more, a little less efficient, in terms of a drop-off between Dalton, who's an actual quarterback, versus Hill, whose tendencies in the pocket are a little less efficient. The Cardinals are still allowing the highest drop-back success rate in the NFL, and their safety, Jalen Thompson, on a short week, I would assume he's going to be out. This secondary is nothing to ride home about, like I talked about in the offseason when I pulled the trigger on the Cardinals' win total under 8.5. And, and then on the other side of the ball, Even though the Cardinals are getting back DeAndre Hopkins from the PED suspension, Hollywood Brown out for this game, potentially out for the season with a foot injury. And then the Cardinals offensive line with Pugh and their center, Rodney Hudson. Pugh's going to be out for this game for sure. I believe he's their left guard and then Hudson at center, which is an issue for a Cardinals team that runs a lot of shotgun. Likely going to be out on a short week. Kyler Murray. Number one, the early release for the new Call of Duty game is going to be out some point this week. And then in terms of the matchup on the field, Murray has underperformed against zone defenses throughout his career. So even without Lattimore, the Saints having Marcus May back at safety, he played last week against the Bengals, made a big difference in that first half at least before Joe Burrow and and company got back on track in the second half. But I, I think the Saints have a plus matchup on both sides of the ball. And the Cardinals are still overvalued, even if Taysom Hill goes for the Saints at quarterback. So give me give me the Saints at some point this week against the spread. You mentioned Call of Duty, and we do know because there is some statistical wizard out there that has a little bit too much time on their hands on the internet, that Kyler Murray's performance does take a hit on special Call of Duty weekends. His passer rating 
passing yards and completion percent all tank when there's a new release coming out or there's these special I don't even know what they are, like 2XR. I'm probably saying that wrong. Now, we're obviously kidding. Please do not um, place bets on like a statistical correlation, not even like a conspiracy theory on Call of Duty. But for me personally, right. it's going to be hard to bet this game with so many question marks that have to get sorted out between now and Thursday. I do personally think that Taysom Hill is going to start because Dalton looked pretty banged up last week. But with just all the uncertainty for this one, it's going to be a pass for me. Mo, what are your thoughts? I actually, I missed the Dalton injury and I had sent this to Eli, um, Last night that I that I did like the Saints, they were one of the ones I, I did send him. So I'm definitely leaning that way. Uh, Eli brought up the look ahead line. I was pretty surprised to see the Cardinals were minus two and a half. That seems insane. I mean, it's kind of a similar situation to what I was talking about with Jags and Colts. Like this line was telling us that these teams are are equal, and there's just no way that that's true. I mean, the Cardinals have not been as good as the saints this year in any sort of form or fashion on the football field. Um, I, I think the market might be a little too excited about Deandre Hopkins coming back. I know he's like put up some numbers and, and really driven some offensive success for them. That being said, when you also lose Hollywood Brown, I mean, what is this even moving the needle? You know, like, is it even moving the needle a half point? I, I just can't see it. So, um, uh, also who knows, like, you know, the guy hasn't played football in, in some time. He might not be in, um, ideal football shape. He might be a little rusty. I don't think we should expect hundred percent, um, Deandre Hopkins here. And, and the way Kyler Murray is playing, he just looks lost out there. I mean, he, he's making so many bad decisions. He's not seeing the field. Well, I think that I'm just pretty excited to keep fading the Cardinals generally. Um, and I also like that, like Eli brought up the Marshawn Lattimore injury, which I, I basically was like a big reason I, I didn't fire the Saints last week when I was leaning Saints as well in that spot too. But this is just not that that high of a quality of a passing game, the way the Bengals are bringing to the table where they can exploit that as much. So I'm just like not as worried about it here. I, I think one interesting thing for this game is if Taysom Hill were to start, I think I'd be more interested in a, in a Saints teaser, honestly, because um, we're looking at a shorter game, more running, you know, more value for those points you're buying. So uh, I, I did like the teaser a little bit last week, but didn't fire it uh, this week. I think I would definitely say that this looks like one of the early best options for, for betting a teaser. And to your point too, Mo, Calamari 25th in EPA plus CPOE, completion percentage over expected composite so has really tanked this year and maybe we can credit call of duty for that <laughs> i mean it seems like it i like kudos to the person that had enough time to like put all those stats together no because... <laughs> not kudos to them find something better to do with your life wow taking shots Ooh, taking shots okay though. before we get in any trouble in like a gaming subreddit let's go on <laughs> to our next game which is going to be the denver broncos who are coming off of another disappointing primetime loss on monday night football against the chargers after a special teams debacle in overtime and they are now going on to play the jets i believe the look ahead line for this was three and a half before the jets stunned green bay and lambo moving the line to two and a half mo you like the broncos here 
at two and a half point favorites? Is it because you're a glutton for punishment or give us a little bit more insight into this one? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not allowed to actually bet this one. So I got to tell other people to bet it. Otherwise <laughs> people are allowed to kick me in the nuts. Um, but yeah, I can say that I would recommend it. Uh, there was a minus two and a half this morning, minus 120 on DraftKings. I haven't looked to see if it's still there. Uh, most of the market was at a cheap minus threes. Pretty much three across the board right now, Mo. Yeah, so I, I still think a cheap minus three is honestly fine here. I, like you said, the look-aheads were above three. They were three and a half and four, I believe, um, when I looked at them last week. So, yeah, it, it's the Jets. You know, They're coming off three straight wins. They're the hot team right now. Everybody is excited to bet them, but do they really deserve credit for beating Green Bay? I'm not really sure. I I think maybe Green Bay is just not that good. (laughs) I mean, anytime you win on the road against a solid team, not going to sit here and say you don't deserve credit. But that being said, 99 net passing yards. I mean, this is not going to keep up. It's just not a way to keep winning sustainable, uh, to, to sustain winning in the NFL, you know, week after week. I mean, more so this year maybe than than the past few years when offense was actually a thing. And this year, uh, nobody can move the ball or score. But, man, I just think Zach Wilson, how many times can they keep winning without Zach Wilson making any, like, big throws or really having to do much of anything? Uh, Just handed off a bunch, got another special teams touchdown this week. After Somehow after last year's disaster in the playoffs, Green Bay has not fixed their special teams. Um, but yeah. And then on the other side, you have a Broncos team that once again, stop me if you've heard this one before <laughs> out their opponent, you know, I think it was 4.7 to 3.4 or something, 3.6 yards per play. It looks like, uh, they probably did outplay the chargers. I thought when I was watching that game, um, and, and just a, a backup DB, something Mathis came in. I think he committed like three or four. that's not easy to do okay uh so i that's not gonna keep happening right i mean either he's gonna the light's gonna somewhat come on like maybe maybe we're committing one dpi per game or (laughs) or like they're gonna find somebody who's not gonna commit four dpis and put him in right so yeah I, i just think the broncos are just a a better team than the jets probably and at home and you're looking at a quarterback that I don't trust in general. So I definitely don't trust him on the road, um, against a tough defense. So yeah, I also, I haven't looked at the total, but man, I I can't imagine how I can't imagine the number that's low enough where I wouldn't at least be interested in the under here because the the jets are playing very good defense and it's not like Denver's doing anything on offense. Uh, Russ looks Pretty rough still. I mean, move the ball somewhat, but their running game was should have been better against the Chargers, really. And and it just it just was just okay. I actually agree with your take here on the under. I will say, yes, I do think Russ looked better in last night's game. He did seem a little bit more comfortable on offense and the penalties were killer. And obviously the special teams debacle didn't help things. But, you know, 
something's got to give with the Broncos and like maybe he spammed Jesus enough in the Twitter DMs for him to finally intervene on his behalf. Right. I mean, if we just tweet at Jesus every single week, like maybe finally he'll get annoyed (laughs) enough to to step in and intervene. But for me here, don't put your religious (laughs) takes on us. Nicole. It's not a religious take. It's not a religious take. No, uh, no dig on religion. It is just pure fact that he does tweet about that every single game. And it's like, I've seen a lot of comments that say like, leave Jesus out of this, Russell. Like it's not, it's not his fault that you're, you're playing this badly. But, um, yeah, the, the defenses here really stand out to me. The Broncos red zone defense is top in the league, allowing opponents to score a touchdown when they are in the red zone under 27% of the time. And the Jets defense has also improved a ton since week two, allowing fewer and fewer points each week since that game. So I'm with Mo here. I like the under. It's currently sitting at 40 and a half and I would take the under in this game. But uh, religion aside, Eli, how do you feel about this one? Kind of hard to put religion aside. (laughs) Felt like it was in church for a couple minutes there, Nicole. Regardless, it was a a little too much religion for my liking, but that's okay. Just, Just messing around. I do lean towards the Broncos here, especially if the market continues to come in on the Jets. Like like you both said, this line was sitting at three and a half. Broncos minus three and a half at home on the look ad. Number one, the altitude could certainly play a, a role here for a Jets team that isn't used to it, especially when you, when you have a quarterback that is still underperforming, in a sense, what the expectations were for him as a rookie. The run game has just uh, done really well, and Brees Hall looks like potentially one of the best backs in the league down the road. But looking at this Denver defense, while their offense underperformed big time in the second half, and probably that had to do with a scripted offense throughout much of the first half, plus the Russell Wilson hamstring injury on top of the the shoulder injury, maybe the shoulder stiffened up a bit on Wilson in the second half. But the Broncos are tops right there with San Francisco, a healthy 49ers defense, that is, when they when they do have their guys on the field in opponents' expected points added, so opponents' EPA and opponents' success rate. And the Jets have been pretty fortunate overall, so I think this is a, a pretty good sell-high spot. You go back to the Browns game where Cleveland melted down, blew a double-digit lead in the final two minutes of that game. Uh, Pittsburgh went with Kenny Pickett. I believe that was in the second half at home against the Jets. That was against a blitz-heavy defense. Nicole, you said the Jets' defense is playing a lot better. They get pressure, and they don't need to blitz a ton, which is usually the key to success, especially against a quarterback in his debut. Similarly, Skylar Thompson made his debut with Teddy Bridgewater suffering the concussion and whatever other injury he had. Seems like every Dolphins quarterback is banged up at this point, going back to two weeks ago in the Meadowlands. And then the Packers game last week, they just had the perfect uh, perfect recipe for success with Green Bay having arguably the worst defense, run defense that is, in the NFL And this Packers passing offense with Rodgers and a receiving core that is underperforming even low expectations to begin with. So the Jets won that game outright because of all those factors. So good buy low, sell high, maybe more so sell high in the Jets spot here. And I'm going to wait to see if this number climbs down under three. All right, it's time to take a break and go into our WTF segment. What the f***? Now, we were potentially going to talk about the fact that in my community chat, somebody had lost a child that was wandering the streets. And um, I think it was rightful (laughs) return to its rightful owner slash parent. But um, instead of that, we are going to talk about 
a sports betting promotion that people are a little bit fired up about on Twitter. And I think it's actually really good to talk about this because we've seen this reaction sort of become the standard status quo and the standard on social media. So if I correct me if I'm wrong, but DraftKings had put out an odd odds boost this week for Herbert over one touchdown pass. Now the odds were originally minus 800. They boosted it to plus 100 and a lot of people bet it. Now the limit was pretty low. I believe the the max you could bet on it was $25. Am I correct, Eli? Whatever the limit was, it was, I'm guessing, 100 or less. I yeah. think some of these have varying limits based on the customer, too. Yeah, I saw like a range from like 10 to 25 bucks, but maybe it did go over 25. But it, it sounds like a lot of people did end up taking the boost. And obviously, we know that Herbert did not have a passing touchdown in that Monday night football game. And now people are pretty fired up about it on Twitter and they want refunds and they want their money back. And... I know you guys have a lot of opinions on it, so I will. But unfortunately, I think we've seen a lot of these like bad beat refunds come out. Um, Some of them are warranted. Some of them are what we would consider a goodwill gesture in the community or in the sports betting community. And now I feel like people are are sort of expecting that every time one of these boosts don't go their way. So, Eli, I I know you've got some stuff to say, so enlighten us. So. Yes, this is verbatim, a tweet that was sent to me last night after I tweeted about this. Not even going to name the account because there are a bunch of numbers in there, so it could be a fake account. Who knows? At DK Sportsbook just pulled off the biggest rig sports betting scam in history. In, in, in history of sports betting, this is the biggest rig scam. IDGAF, I don't give a blank, what anybody says. They were told to put that bet up by the NFL and Justin Herbert was told, all caps, not to throw a touchdown. What sports book is going to put in minus 800 bet to even money? GTFOH, middle figure emoji. <laughs> a lot of anger behind that. This is not some sort of scam. The NFL did not talk to DraftKings to put this up. Now, granted, a lot of these odds boosts, going back to the original, just taken general. A lot of these odds boosts are correlated with a potential for them not to happen. The Broncos have one of the best pass defenses, if not the best pass defense in the NFL. Is it likely that Justin Herbert, who I believe threw at least one touchdown pass in 26 straight games? Also, there was a really good stat out there from Adam Schefter. want to pull this out really quick. Uh, so Justin Herbert's 57 passes during Monday Night Football against the Broncos were the most in a winning effort. Granted, the Chargers maybe shouldn't have even won the game without a touchdown pass in NFL history. So DraftKings apparently worked with the NFL, worked with the referees who had a rough game overall, to be fair, for Justin Herbert to not throw a touchdown pass, apparently, according to to Twitter. To Nicole's point earlier, sportsbooks are kind of setting this up for themselves, and it doesn't mean they should refund this bet. People lose bets. This is a a lost wager that you could have made the case shouldn't have been made in the first place. But you're also kind of setting yourself up for a tweet storm with all the refunds that are gifted out for no reason because bets lose and novice bettors kind of need to get to the stage where they accept that early on versus you're at the point where, okay, this is happening. This is an, an inaccurate precedent. Why isn't it happening now? Mo, do you have anything to add on this before I before I jump in for my final take? I just I love the the theater <laughs> of 
this whole situation. Um, I would say about the refunds, they're cheesy and they're kind of dumb. I get it in some cases. Like there's a truly horrendous beat. Somebody returns a lateral play 50 yards for a touchdown. Whatever. Give people their refunds, I guess. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's free bets too. What'd you say? It's usually free bets too. Versus like the actual refund of the wager back. This is not that crazy, okay? NFL quarterbacks go through games without throwing a touchdown pass every single week. This is not that weird, okay? Um, But yeah, is it weird when a elite quarterback does yeah i mean i guess but once again it it happens like this is not that crazy and um i i thought the funniest part was uh the funniest thing was somebody what somebody said in the discord they said well if it's rigged why would they limit me to ten dollars on it (laughs) right right they'll take your money they'll take your money if it's rigged. i just people man twitter is just a space for dgens and a bunch of crazy people too Now, listen, I've worked on the operator side of things. And from a PR standpoint, don't get me wrong. And and sometimes, like we've said, if it is a really bad beat, it does benefit the sports book to just say, hey, we're going to we're going to count it. We realize that sucked. It was a bad beat, right? If it was some ridiculous pass interference call or roughing the passer call that should have never happened. Right. So it's a it's a good PR move. And in the minds of some of the sports book, you know, operators, it helps them build trust, right? With some of their novice betters. But at the same time, we've seen it happen more and more frequently where I do feel like it's coming to the point where people are now expecting a refund if the bet does not go their way. And it's like, at the end of the day, you are taking responsibility for that bet. You need to educate yourself on the odds. You need to do your own analysis on the game before placing that bet and nobody forced you to make that bet. So at the end of the day, if it loses, it loses and you can't. Well, I guess you can. Nobody's saying that you can't go on Twitter and blast the sportsbook operator. Obviously, you can. No, keep <laughs> doing that so I can laugh at these tweets. Yes. Like, so you you absolutely can. But th- it is, in my opinion, setting a dangerous precedent that every time a bet doesn't go someone's way on one of these super boosts or one of these promotions, that the expectation is going to be a refund funded bet and that's not how betting works so i think we're walking a we're walking a fine line here yeah no 100 percent. the precedent is you just you kind of can't do that but it's it's on the better it's it, it's a two-way street it's the literal definition of a two-way street while it was a plus ev bet besides the matchup itself because you get a bet that was minus 800 down to even money for an elite quarterback to most point but they were also like i mentioned earlier facing one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL. All right. So that being said, guys, when a promotion comes out, just make sure you're you're doing your research before before you make the bet. And uh, remember, we always say that you're betting with money that you have to be able to afford to lose. So it's just like if you go to see a movie and you end up not liking it, like, you know, sometimes these bets are not going to go your way and you have to be okay with kind kind of eating that money. But all right, we will feel like I'm listening to my mom after <laughs> after I placed my first bet at the sports book. You know, honey, you got to be able to accept the loss. Okay. Thank you very much. Nicole. Listen, we're all that. about responsible gambling on this podcast. So that was my public service announcement. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U S sports books all in one place. 
Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. But we will get on to the next set of bets. And what do we got here, Mo? I believe we have your your Chiefs are on the road to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Now the Chiefs had a disappointing loss to the Bills last week in what was pretty much one of the most anticipated matchups on the calendar this season. The line is currently Niners plus three. And Mo, you like them in this spot. So tell us a little bit more. Yeah, great game this weekend. Uh, unfortunate that some very poor officiating marred it. Uh, many missed calls. Most of them were against the Chiefs. Mm. Pretty egregious one against the Bills as well. Just pretty pretty bad, as we've seen in many games this year. But, yeah, I thought both teams played, played very well overall and uh, not sad about the Chiefs losing at all. I think that anytime they play a good game like that against a strong opponent, it's just – it's just more evidence that this is one of the best teams in the league. So that being said, I, I do kind of like the Niners here. But there are several injury concerns for sure. Um, so speaking of Steven, you referenced him earlier, Eli. He says, I believe, that Bosa and and Trent Williams are going to be back this week. So obviously those are like the two biggest injuries they have so that would be pretty huge if they come back i'm feeling pretty good about a niners plus three i kind of wish not only for the chiefs to get a big w but if they would have won i feel like we might get a three and a half here um so no use crying over spilled milk though you think so (laughs) yeah i think so i think i think if kansas city beat the bills this would be three and a half four yeah uh unfortunately it didn't happen but I, i still think plus three the niners are Matching up, I think, okay against the Chiefs. I know that the Chiefs basically have an unstoppable passing game, but there has been times where Mahomes has looked human, which is basically when people are winning one-on-one matchups up front. And if you blitz, he sees it coming. But if you beat a blocker one-on-one, he can't control that. Like That's basically the times when he has looked human. And the Niners are better than better at that than just about anybody. Uh, I thought that Orlando Brown played well against the Bills, and I've dumped on him a bunch this year, but he had a good game. Andrew Wiley has gotten his ass kicked basically all year, which is understandable. He shouldn't be a starter. He's a backup. He's probably going to be mincemeat for these 49ers pass rushers. Um, and... I guess on the other side, I'm worried about. I'm a little worried about the secondary for the Niners, but more so than anybody, the Niners seem to just be able to plug any old DBs in and just get tremendous production. I mean, 
I think I, I thought a lot of it was Robert Sala. And now I'm just like, okay, D'Amico Ryans is doing the exact same thing. So there's just some kind of organizational win going on here where the Niners are just able to get fourth, fifth round, whatever, unexciting dudes and just turn them into players. Uh, so I'm hoping they can do that here. Uh, I also love the matchup for the Niners uh, when they have the ball. I love Debo and George Kittle basically attacking a, a pretty poor tackling Kansas City defense. I think the defense has overall played fine this year, and they, they did a solid job against the Bills last week. But the tackling has been notably poor all year for the Chiefs. Uh, PFF has them like in the 20s. I think that's honestly might be generous, but... Uh, yeah, th- there's been a lot of missed tackles and let me tell you, nobody's going to punish you for missed tackles more than Debo Samuel. Okay. So you don't wrap that guy up. He's going to turn every three yard pass into 15 plus. So, um, yeah, it's plus three at home. I, I think this is a couple of points too high, but that being said, there's a lot of moving parts injury wise here. So it, it's a little bit of a risk to jump in early in the week, but I just cannot see this line staying at three if if good things happen on the injury report for the 49ers. I think this is a clear-cut top-five team uh, when they're anything close to healthy. I know that Emmanuel Mosley isn't coming back. He's out for the year, so um, that's you know not a thing they can fix right away maybe, but a lot of these other guys are questionable and, and could come back. Eli, are you on the same side here with this one? I would bet San Francisco if the injury report was any better, which is pretty much the point that Mo is harping on throughout. San Francisco's defense, to your point, Mo, they they have a good secondary when healthy. Now, no Mosley is obviously a, a net negative, especially in the secondary with Chuck Ward and Jimmy Ward potentially out for this game too. But San Francisco under D'Amico Ryans and under under their past defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, who's now the, the head coach of the Jets, they get pressure and they don't blitz a ton. But if Armstead and Bosa don't play, it's going to put more pressure on some backup defensive backs against a, a passing attack that is is much better than Atlanta, the team they just played and lost outright to in, in Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. So I do lean towards the Niners if they're healthy. Then again, if they're healthy, this line may dip under a field goal, and the San Francisco 49ers might become a pretty valuable teaser leg at that point. But Probably stay away from you with the injury report for the Niners at this point. And on to our final NFL game of the day. We are taking a look at the four and two Chargers who are coming off of that Monday night football win against the Broncos. Now we'll face the three and three Seattle Seahawks. They're currently six and a half point favorites. But Eli, I know you're waiting to see if this one gets bet down a bit before firing. So give us some thoughts on this one. Look ahead line for this game was Chargers minus seven, minus seven and a half. So add or over the key number, depending on where you were looking late Friday, Saturday, at some point last week. Now, I will say that I've lost a lot of confidence in Brandon Staley, especially yesterday. I mean, he got out coached by Nathaniel Hackett in that first half. And if you want to blame Hackett for the, for the second half, that also might have had to do with the Wilson injury in terms of the Broncos running the ball a ton. But I've lost confidence, and I think a lot of betters have in comparison to last year when he was ultra-aggressive, and now he's probably like 60-40 in terms of conservative versus aggressive, which is odd for a coach that relied on fourth-down conversions last year. And he still has to an an extent, but just not as much. Now, you go back to the the metrics yesterday, Monday 
night against the Broncos. Justin Herbert with just 3.80 yards per pass attempt against one of the best secondaries in the NFL. Now he's going up against arguably the worst secondary in the league right there with the Cardinals. Seattle giving up the third highest dropback EPA. Chargers offensive line should be able to get Corey Lindsley back too so that bolsters Herbert's pass protection. And then on the other side of the ball, Geno Smith, while he's played tremendously throughout this this season, I believe he's top five in expected points added, dropback EPA plus completion percentage over expected. So EPA plus CPOE composite. But the Seahawks have also faced the Cardinals, the Saints, who are without their safety. Marcus May, a huge part of that zone coverage. The Lions and the Falcons in in their last four games. So that's a bit mixed into Geno's inflated numbers by a hair. I'm not saying he hasn't played well. He's just faced some pretty poor pass defenses. And then if the Seahawks are facing a negative game script throughout, which I think is pretty plausible, uh, considering the Chargers have, again, a plus matchup on offense. And then if the Seahawks have to get away from the run, which is the Chargers' biggest liability defensively, their run defense, their pass defense and pass rush is pretty effective, even without Joey Bosa. So I think everything sets up here for a Chargers cover. Granted, I haven't played this yet. I honestly don't like the Week 7 card overall, but I do lead Chargers under the key number of seven, even with my disgust for Brandon Staley. And and back to coaching really quick here, Cliff Kingsbury and Dennis Allen for that first game I mentioned with Saints Cardinals. I mean, that's a pretty clear cut coaching advantage, especially with Kingsbury on a short week, but clearly I hate the Cardinals and I bet the win total under. So I'll send it back to you, Nicole. All right. And I'm just going to send it right to Mo. Mo, you are not ready to lay this many points, are you? Definitely not. I'm not trying to fade Goat Geno. I don't know how anybody could line up to fade Goat Geno right now. <laughs> I will say what Eli is saying in some ways definitely is is making a lot of sense. I mean, EPA is not opponent adjusted. So it's not taking account the opposition. And 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 I think I said this about the Cardinal Seahawks game last week. Basically, look at how good Geno's been, but then he really struggled in the first two games against elite defenses, um, 49ers, Broncos, they basically shut him down. Um, but he's been amazing since then against mediocre to bad defenses. He is absolutely carving them. Now, that being said, I don't know if the Chargers make it into that category of the top defenses. I, I know they do on paper, but, but they just haven't been there so far. Uh, they don't have one of the better pressure rates. They're actually very bad in pressure rate. They're bottom six, it looks like, in rate of, of pressure. PFF isn't impressed with their pass rush. Um, they have them in the middle of the pack. They don't blitz very often. So I, I just think that this is just a pretty good defense. I don't see them on the level of the 49ers when healthy. I don't know if they're quite on the level of the Broncos either. So... I just don't want to lay this many points when the back door, even if they get some kind of a lead, is always going to be open because of how good Geno's been. And and I, we've seen the Chargers give up some leads. Raiders, Texans, these teams were getting smacked by the Chargers, and they made those uh, at least somewhat tight, even though I, the Chargers did cover both of those games, I believe. So, uh yeah, it, it, at least they didn't run away with it. So I don't think it's like as big of a 
of a concern if you know falls into a negative script although I, I could definitely see it. I, Seattle's defense is atrocious. I mean, they're really, really bad. So that that's when, that's how bad Kyler Murray is. He couldn't even <laughs> right. score on this defense. <laughs> All right. And we have a little bit of a bonus for you guys today before we close it out in honor of the NBA kicking off this week. I believe you guys have some NBA futures that you would like to give out. Mo, we'll start with you. What do you got for us? Yeah, just a little teaser. Uh, talk a little NBA and tease some of the content, uh, you know, that we'll be covering this year on the lines. I did uh, fire a total that I, I really, really like. And and I, I wrote my um, futures and win total uh, article yesterday. Took quite a bit of work. So would like if that got some reads, reads for sure. Um, Oh, Go to the lines.com yes. essentially is most. Yeah, check it out. It's basically you. mapping out the market expectations for every one of these teams compared to publicly available projection systems from 538 and ESPN. Always uh, an interesting thing to look at, even if you don't use it to uh, point you to any bets. Um, I'm not saying you should for sure. It's just like an interesting tool um, cross referencing some of these numbers. And the computers ended up agreeing with one of my very early plays, which was uh, Pacers over 23 and a half wins. I'm in complete agreement that I do not see how this team can be this bad unless they trade away absolutely everybody. I mean, they have so many like they, they have like a bunch of solid players who not only are they pretty good, like Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner. Buddy healed like these are solid veterans who are not just going to like go out there and lose every single game they play. Like these numbers are pretty much expecting. I should say like the market's expecting when I see a 23 and a half, but these players also like make some sense. Like they have some synergy in the roster. It's not just a bunch of like chuckers like Utah has put together. Like I know these are also some decent veterans, but every single one of those players is going to try to put up 15 shots a game. So the Pacers are not like that at all. And they have a coach that I learned many years ago. You do not take unders on Rick Carlisle's teams. Okay. I tried it a few times. It does not matter who he has out there. He will win games. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping even if they trade everybody away, maybe we've got 16, 17, 18 wins in the bank already. And, uh, we can get there. Eli, anything for you on the NBA before we close up today's episode? No NBA for me. For the people that know me, college basketball is my forte. But I do have a couple college basketball futures, one of them being Florida that I released back in April. But the other one, and both explanations to an extent and the numbers I'd bet them down to, are in the Discord channel. So head over to thelines.com and subscribe. It's, it's a free Discord channel and like a lot of other betting companies and the way they run their discord. So I'd recommend hopping in and checking out our college basketball content, which is going to be ramping up soon here quickly. Going to be getting my college basketball podcast started. Season starts on November 7th. So less than three weeks away and going to, going to tip it off on Monday, that Monday, the 7th. So pretty excited about it. Yeah. So hopefully you step it up to the big leagues this year, (laughs) which is, I want to see some selfies from bulls games. I'm not an NBA guy. I, I, there's zero <laughs> chance I'm going to a Bulls game. Man, I have so many rants for you about Jerry Reinsdorf and the White Sox and the Bulls that I'll say for off the air. 
All right, guys, just to sum it up, as always, go to thelines.com. That's where you can find Mo's articles, Eli's articles. And like Eli said, it is where you can also subscribe to our Discord channel to get into our NFL, NBA, and college basketball and college football, I believe, betting discussion. So if you are not already a Discord member, make sure you join. And as always, if you want to bet any of the games that we talked about in today's podcast, if you are watching on YouTube, take a look at the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. That is the best offers we have from our our sportsbook partners. As always, give us a five-star review and comment and subscribe to the Beat the Closing Line podcast on Apple Podcasts. We are announcing that first Amazon gift card winner next week on the pod. Good luck with your bets. Eli and I will see you on Thursday.